if you'd stand for the reading of the Word of God, I'm just going to begin reading in the middle of chapter 6. And you, you bear with me on these names. These are great names for passwords. <laughs> Folks are not going to figure these out. Put you some numbers and these names in here, and you'll be able to have some passwords. Nobody will know. Now the angel of the Lord came and sat under the Tirbanith tree. Which was at Ophrah, not Ophrah, Ophrah. Which belonged to Josh, the Abiturite. Which his son Gideon threshed wheat in the winepress in order to hide it from the Midianites. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him and said, The Lord is with you, O mighty man of valor. Gideon said to him, O my Lord, if the Lord is with us, why has all this happened to us? Where are all the miracles where our fathers told us about, saying, Did not the Lord bring us up from Egypt? But now the Lord has forsaken us and delivered us into the hands of the Midianites. Then the Lord turned to him and said, Go in this might of yours. And you shall save Israel from the hand of the Midianites. Have I not sent you? So he said to him, O oh my Lord, how can I save Israel? Indeed, my clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I am the least in my father's house. And the Lord said to him, Surely I will be with you, and you shall defeat the Midianites as one man. May the Lord add a blessing to the reading and the hearing of his word. You can be seated in the presence of God. I want to talk to you this morning about this subject from victim to victory. That victory most times in our walk with God is a process. We don't usually see it instantaneously. Shooting stars don't just burst on the scene. It takes time, and while he is working the process of victory, he's working some things out in our own lives. And life these days is full of battles and issues within. And both those issues in and out seem to overwhelm us from time to time, and oftentimes they keep us on the sidelines of life rather in the mainstream of where we really want to go. And sometimes lives are unfulfilled and our situations seem impossible. Anybody got any possible situations? I see a few there. But here's the good news. God promises us victory in the midst of all of this. And so we look at the condition uh, in chapter 6 of the Israelites. The people of God are living in fear. They're hiding in dens and caves. They've disobeyed God, not obeyed his word, put up idols and what have you. They're under attack from the Midianites and the Amorites and some others as well, even the electric lights. <laughs> you know the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And their food and livestock was being destroyed and stolen from them. They were impoverished. In other words, there was a great lack in Israel at that time. They were impoverished because of all this. It was a season of disappointment. Folks were sad. 
There was oppression everywhere, and we see the same thing today. Too many sad stories, too many broken hearts, too many accidents and deaths in hospital. And our story here walks Gideon through three phases of growth in his life in the process of God giving them victory. And we just want to look at those. The first phase is the victim phase. The victim phase. Now, when I preach, I once preached this message, uh, um, and I call it from chump to champion. But I didn't think this was a proper uh, <laughs> calling nobody no chump. But how about victim to victory? And Gideon here is fearful, and he's watching life pass him by. He's what we call a victim of circumstances. And folks who are old as me remember a song, Victim of Circumstances. I don't know if y'all remember that song. I don't even know if had that old. Or y'all been saved longer than I have. But he was a victim of circumstances. Maybe he didn't cause the stuff. He didn't slap no Midianites. He didn't talk about nobody. He, he, he didn't rough anybody up or anything. He's a victim of circumstances around him, just like many of us are sometimes. And he's hiding out, just trying to survive. Just trying to get by. Anybody identify with that? He's moving and moving, but he can never seem to make any progress. He can't seem to get it all together. He gets it together one minute and somebody steals something the next and he's filled with doubts and questions. He's saying, if God is God and if he's the Lord, why? Why am I going through this? Where are all the miracles that the preachers be preaching about? Always talking about walking on the water and him providing bread out of nowhere and all of these things. Where are all the miracles? And Gideon here is a victim. He, he's frustrated. He's discouraged. And he seems to blame God for it. The Lord has forsaken us. He's feeling small and helpless and insignificant. And he's unequipped to deal with what he's going through. And so he ends up making all kinds of excuses for not doing what God calls him to do. You know, I, I'm from the weakest family. You know we small. And, and out of all the smallness and the weakness, I'm the least in my family. He's a victim. And he's got trouble. Uh, you, you notice he says I and, and my. He's got I and my trouble. And when we have I and my trouble, we can't seem to see beyond ourselves. And his faith is challenged. He, he reminds me of the story of, uh, of the little girl who was talking to her dad late at night. And he was reading all the great Bible stories. He read about David and Goliath and about Elijah calling down fire and about Daniel in the lion's den. And, and when he got through with the stories, he looked up, she looked up at her dad and said, You know what, Daddy? God was much more exciting back then. But if God's the same today, yesterday, and forever, then what he did then, he can do now. And what he did for me or for you, he can do for everybody. 
Gideon is simply a victim of circumstances like many of us all the time. And that's how a lot of folks feel today. Where is God now? Where is he in my situation? Why am I going through this? And as the pastor just said, they're focused on what God hadn't done when we need to change our focus and look at what God has done and what God is doing. But aren't you glad in the midst of all of this, God is not moved by our weaknesses. Somehow God's not hindered even by all the stuff that we're going through. It does not handcuff him or tie his hands a bit. As a matter of fact, he said unto me, he said, my grace is sufficient for my strength is made perfect. And I'm going to add this in your weakness. For when I'm weak, that's when I'm strong. And so here's Gideon victim of circumstances, down in the dumps, hiding out in the wine press. Uh, I don't know what he was doing in the wine press. He might have been half drunk. <laughs> he's, he's, he's hiding out, trying to get enough, you know, bread for a sandwich. Just, if I could just get a sandwich or something. He moves from the victim phase into encountering the angel of the Lord, and God challenges him. He says, the Lord is with you. Wait a minute, I'm in the wine press. Hi, now, the Lord is with you, you mighty man of valor. See, God doesn't usually point out for us what we already know about ourselves. He generally points out to us what he thinks about us after becoming what we are with him and his presence. That's what he points out to us. What are you becoming? That's what he's interested in, in him. He's focused on that. He calls Gideon a mighty man of valor. Uh, uh, if you're the modern translation, it says a mighty man of honor. But he doesn't feel so honorable. It's like one of those Arnold moments, isn't it? What you talking about, Willie? <laughs> you see I'm broke. You see I'm hurting. You see I got pain. You see my family's not together. You see we're going through all of these things. Yet you're calling me a mighty man of valor. See, God is not speaking to Gideon the way Gideon sees himself. He's speaking to Gideon the way he sees him because God always sees the end. Tell somebody I'm just in process. He says the Lord is with you. His presence is what makes all the difference. No matter where we are, in hospital, at graveside, wherever we are, his presence is really what makes the difference. And he challenges Gideon. He says, go in this might of yours. I love that word go. It's the Hebrew word halak. It means to behave. In other words, act like God is with you. Walk like God is with you. Behave like a mighty man or woman of valor. Square them shoulders, put your chin up, and let's get going. Go in this might of yours. Walk like you're a man or a woman of valor, of honor. 
Someone that's mighty. Not the way we see ourselves, but as we see ourselves in the reflection of the eyes of God. See, he's not saying to Gideon, go, you can do this, Gideon. Come on, buck up. Get yourself together. You can do this. He's saying, go in the strength and the might that my power and my presence is to you. Go in my strength. Go in my power. Because my power and my strength are your power and your strength. Because I'm with you. I'm just here with you, present. Go, you mighty man of valor. I love that word, surely. And words like that in the Bible, certainly. Certainly I am with you. That's a Three Stooges word. You all know about that. Surely, show enough, I'm going to be with you. So Gideon is really stepping out in the might and the power of God's presence, God's power, and God's promise. That's what he's going forth in. Nothing else. Circumstances are bad. God answers our issues. It's never about positive thinking. I, I know y'all watch Tony, what is it? Robbins. Just say it. Encourage it. You know, God's not, God don't deal with positive thinking. It's about the promise of his presence that I'm here right with you, just as near as a whispered prayer. It's about his power, which is, is, is all-powerful. And it's about his provision. He always provides what we need. It's not so much we need self-confidence, and, and, and we need a little self-confidence, but what we need is God-confidence. That's the verse that God called me on when I received my calling to ministry over 51 years ago. 2 Corinthians 3 and 5. Not that we are sufficient in ourselves as to think of anything coming from us. But our sufficiency is of God. It's his sufficiency that allows me to overcome. It's his sufficiency that takes me out of victimhood. It's his sufficiency that plunges me into victory. So at that moment that God told Gideon to go, the victory is no longer an impossibility. I mean, they said that they looked like the sands of the sea, the Midianites, and, and they had more camels than you could count, and, and they had more soldiers than you could even imagine. It looked impossible, but as soon as God says go, it's no longer an issue it's no longer an impossibility. See, when God gives an assignment, it's never an impossibility. It's always a certainty. It's a certainty. Tell somebody certainly. See, our greatest challenge is not just to know the will of God. Our greatest challenge is to know and to do the will of God. That's where the rubber meets the road. And so God gives us victory step by step. But you got to take a step. And I don't know if I, 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 I said this, 
before, but God works on a need-to-know basis. When you need to know, you'll know. But until then, just trust me. Take the step. Go, Gideon. Move towards the army of the Midianites. Blow your trumpet and call together some folks together. Take a step of faith. We're on a need-to-know basis. See, God is the one that identifies us, and God is the one that defines us. It's all about who he says we are, not about how we feel about ourselves, not about what other folks say, not about how we appear to the crowd, but we are defined and identified by God. There's a verse in the Bible that quotes one of my, one of my favorite cartoon characters, Popeye the Sailor Man. Some of y'all don't even know about that. You know, but <laughs> as ugly as Popeye was, he always said, I am what I am, and that's all that I am. And Paul quotes Popeye, or whoever came first, and says, by the grace of God, I am what I am. And I am who God says I am. I am what God says I am. Not about my feelings or other folks. I am what I am. See, faith is not obeying God without fear. Faith is obeying God in the midst of fear and in the middle of hard times, still trusting God and still honoring God. And that's what he's trying to get Gideon to see. And so he moves from the victim phase into the challenge phase, his encounter with God, his season with God. And then he moves into the victory somebody victory is a process first thing Gideon did was build an altar it always begins with prayer no matter what your continuum is no matter what the circumstances situation surrounding you is it always starts out with prayer we get our greatest understanding we get our greatest discernment we see the furthest when we're on our knees and so Gideon builds an altar. Oftentimes our altars have grown weary. Are there cobwebs on them? And, and our prayer time is very small and tiny. And it's just a part of our day rather than consuming us. He built an altar. And after he built the altar, he had to deal with his own personal sins. Come on now. Watch it get quiet now. See, in his own backyard, his daddy had built an idol to Baal. And this is going on in the house where he lives. And sometimes we've got to deal with our own sins because our altars that we have in our lives are distractions. Could be your telephone. We barely put them down. Could be one thing or another. But what it is, is it's a distraction. Don't let it buzz while we praying. It might be somebody 
important. But I'm already talking to the most important. So anybody else can just talk to the hand. <laughs> I'm otherwise engaged at this time. We have altars in our life, and we got to deal with those distractions. And God said, go and tear down. The first thing I want you to do is deal with your own backyard. Get the stuff out of your backyard. So Gideon was afraid to go, but he did it. He did it by night because he was afraid, the Bible says, but he did do it. You might be trembling when you go do what God tells you to do, but he did it. And then he makes a sacrifice. You know what a sacrifice is? It's that that costs you something. If it doesn't cost you something, it's not a sacrifice. I've been married to my wife 51 years. She, she, she's there, you know. But if I came home today, grabbed a paper cup out the cabinet, went to the hose, put some water in it, and handed it to her, said, look what I got you. I got you something, girl. I got you a full cup of water. Now, we've been married so long, I wouldn't have to duck. But I'd have to contend with the disappointment on her face. But at the same time, if we were in Death Valley driving through the desert and the car broke down and it wasn't but one bottle of water in the car and I said, baby, you can have it. That costs me something and it becomes more valuable than anything else on the face of the earth. And so it's not so much the size of the gift. If it don't cost you nothing. But a sacrifice always costs you something. And Gideon began to sacrifice. And he put his faith in God alone and you know he had faith in God alone when he had an army of 3,000. Everybody showed up. The Ephraimites, well not the Ephraimites, the, the Massonites, the, 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 all of his gang, his boys showed up. 3,000 strong. And God says that's too many. Because y'all go in there and get to battle and you think you did something. He said, anybody that's afraid, go on home. About 2,500 went home. <laughs> he sent them down to the water. He said, those that just get down and start guzzling the water, send them home. And them that is one knee, lapping like this. Watch and pray. He says, that 300, that's how I'm going to deliver you. See, in my mind's eye, that also means as we go on to victory, you got to reduce the flesh. Too much flesh. Too much flesh. Warm up the car, baby. 
In the church, we're often just too carnal. Just too much flesh. Look what God says. He says, for you see your calling, brother, not many wise according to the flesh. Not many mighty, not many noble are called, but God has chosen the foolish things of this world to shame the wise that no flesh could glory in his presence. Come on, tell your neighbor, it's not about you. It's about him. And it wasn't that God gave victory to 300 men. It was that God gave victory and it was him. And so victory is always about, pastor just said it, God getting all the glory and God getting all the praise. All the honor, all the glory, all the praise belongs to you. It's not about me. Oh, I may have all kinds of talents and gifts and abilities and all those things, and all those are wonderful because they're God-given. But God wants us to know it's not about you. It's about faith and trust in me, and I'm going to do something you never would ever expect it, and I'm going to use just 300 men. And then again, has to trust in God's plan. All right, God, what's the plan? We, we, we got some bazookas. We got some cannons, man. What do we got? Some super launchers. What is it? Well, I tell you, I want you to get some trumpets. I want you to get some torches. And I want you to get some clay pitchers. What you talking about, Willie? See, the pictures speak of our lives. He has this treasure in earthen vessels. We're earthen vessels. The trumpets speak of God's word and his promises. We declare it out. We roll the trumpet in Zion. Declare who God is. Declare that our trust is in him. Declare that God is great. And the torches speak of the fire. That's the power of the Holy Spirit. So you blow the trumpet. You declare God's word declaring you. You, you declare it first to yourself. This is what God says. This is what God promised. And then you declare it to anything that's standing in your way. I always say we ought to talk less about our problems to God and tell our problems about God. Listen, I see you here, but you see who's there? God is great. God called me. God promised me this. I'm the, this is what God says. The word of God says this. God promised me this. God says this. This is what God did for me in my past. Here's my testimony. L let me tell you. See, see, tell your problems about God. Don't always be telling God about your problems. Go both ways, but I do a little more talking to the problems about God. And so the trumpet declares God's word and promises. The pictures that are earthen and clay, he says, when you get ready to go into battle, break them. That means we are to humble ourselves before God. That it's in my brokenness that God's going to bring the victory. It's out of my brokenness that God's going to bring the victory. It's out of my weakness that God's going to be to speak to me. And 
The spirit of Ennis is let your light shine. When the picture is broke, we see the torches and the light shines out. I have a friend, she, she got some clay pots. Uh, she was sharing with the church one year and she put the pots there and they were all very beautiful pots. But one of them had a big old crack in it. And she put a candle in each one of them and you couldn't see the light except through the crack. And in the brokenness, you could see God. And, and that's the power of the Holy Spirit that resides in us, that abides in us, that lives in us. It's not by might. It's not by power. But by my spirit, says the Lord. And then he says, shout the sword of the Lord. And the sword of Gideon. Shout the victory. Come on, shout and tell somebody, victory is mine. And the enemy saw it and fled everywhere. They was killing each other and running all up the hills and down in the valleys. He began to walk in, not victimhood anymore, not simply the challenge of God's word, but he walked God's word out and he realized victory. See, God comes to us right where we are in our brokenness. And he intends to use you to bring the victory. No matter where we are. See, faith gets to choose what it sees. And then it sees it. You can choose to see yourself as a victim. You can choose to start to see yourself as an a inquisitor and a questioner of God. With all the miracles, why are we like this? How come? You bought the people out of Egypt, but you ain't spit no waters for me. You provided bread for the 5,000, but I don't have enough here. This, and, and we start questioning God, and then we blame him. If you choose to see that, we'll stay victims of circumstances, because circumstances are always going to be around us. If we choose to see that God is present in my life, that the promises of God are yea and amen. If God said go, then victory is not even in question. Victory is mine. See, catch this as I close. We believe in God. But do we believe the God that we believe in? Let me say that again. That one hooks me all the time. Oh, I believe in God. I know it's a God. But do we believe the God who we believe in? And so we have to say, I believe God. I believe God. I believe God. Come on, tell somebody, victory, victory. is mine. It's a process, yeah, it's a process. We start out oftentimes in victimhood. I have been saved for a long time, in ministry a long time, and sometimes I feel like a victim yeah. of circumstances. I didn't cause this, I ain't hurt nobody. 
How come this is going on? This ain't my economy. This ain't the way I would treat people. I hate racism. I hate bigotry. You know, but am I just going to be a victim of circumstances? Then God comes and challenges us with all the promises of God. And when we humble ourselves before him, we get to realize the victory. But now, it doesn't happen overnight. It happens through process. And we're all, me, you, all of us are somewhere in the process. Come on, say it one more time. Victory is mine. Victory is mine. I told Satan, get thee behind. See, he's talking, he's declaring, his trumpet is blowing. I told, get thee behind, because victory, victory is mine. Amen. Pastor? 